Well, I've been saying it for a few months now. This election was going to involve lawsuits. I wasn't quite sure exactly what the lawsuits were going to be, what they were going to allege, or who was going to be filing them, but it was clear running up to this election that we weren't going to get out of this without some legal shenanigans, whoop-de-whoop, shit, some legal something. There was going to be some legal something, and there's a whole bunch of it. Today, we're just going to break it down. We're going to talk about what it is. We're going to talk about what I think. We're going to talk about what we might and when we might have some results. Yep. Y'all, 2020, the gift that keeps on giving us lawsuits. (laughs) If I can say anything about the end of 2020, it's that lawsuits are going to carry us through. Like me talking about lawsuits, it's going to carry us right through the end of 2020 and right into 2021 and keep on going by the looks of it. So let's get into it. Hey there, this is Get Legit Law and Shit, and I'm Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer for online business. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years, and I'm a former prosecutor. So yeah, I know some shit, and we're going to talk about the legal shit you need to know. But don't worry, this is not another boring business podcast. So let's get started. It's a lot of lawsuits. I'm just, I'm just going to say that right now. It's a lot of lawsuits. I have been waiting to cover this topic because I knew that some of them would just shake out before we even got to it. Some of them still have hearings coming up that are going to happen in part between the recording of this episode and when this episode goes live. It is just the nature of having a podcast. But when we do the video version of the podcast live on YouTube, and then we do an after party where I answer your questions either on Thursday or on Friday, I will address the updates then. So if you're not following me on YouTube, you can go to watchemily.com and come follow me over there. The channel has been growing like, you know, nothing I've ever experienced. And it's been really, really cool. And the number one feedback I've gotten on social media and on YouTube is when are we going to talk about the election lawsuits? I was waiting for them to shake out. Today is the day. Briefly, my opinion on this whole situation. Look, the timeline for our election is nowhere near up yet. The Electoral College doesn't even vote until December 14th. The electoral votes need to be certified and into state officials by December 23rd. The joint session of Congress that counts the electoral votes officially and declares the results is on January 6th. And then the inauguration is on January 20th. I know everyone's like, the media called it. Okay, at the end of the day, the media doesn't declare who our president is, though don't tell them that because they like the power that they have. I get it. But there are procedures in place. Our constitution is strong. There are rules that are going to be adhered to. I am not afraid that they won't be. If that changes, I promise I'll let you know. But we still have a lot of time left in this election. So I feel like if the media would just let it play out a little bit, everybody would just calm the fuck down. Yes, the problems I am seeing right now is you're getting people who are are Trump supporters, you know, marching in Washington and then getting attacked 
um, by counter protesters. The media is not reporting on it, which further enrages those who support Trump, saying that the media doesn't cover the way that they have been treated, the way that they feel, those sorts of things. So you've got an entire part of the population feeling maligned. Then you've got another part of the population feeling maligned because the other part voted for Trump. So there are a lot of feelings. I think that the media aggravated all of this by calling the election. There are some questions in some states. There are recounts underway. Will those swing what we're seeing now? In a lot of states, likely not. But could it? Yes, it could. Do I think that'll happen? It's unclear. And if it does, will it be enough? Mm, it's unlikely at this point. And that's that's just what it is. But because it's unlikely, maybe just let it play out. Maybe just let it play out. Because if you just let it play out, everyone will feel like they've been heard. And then at the end of the day, you get to the end and go, okay, and this is the end, just like happened in 2000. And in 2000, the number one criticism from the Democratic Party was that Gore conceded too quickly. They were not pleased with Gore conceding in 2000. So we can just let this run its course. We're already seeing lawsuits getting thrown out of court. We're seeing lawsuits be decided on in court. We are going to have a determination, and it's really not that far away to let it play out, let people be heard, those who feel that there is rampant voter fraud. And remember, in 2016, it was the Democrats that were saying there was rampant voter fraud. Now it's just the Republicans saying that there, well, some of the Republicans saying that there's rampant voter fraud and issues with the software, with the voting machines. And we'll get into that in a minute. But this happens. This happened in 2016. A lot of people didn't accept the election results then. A lot of people aren't going to accept the election results now. And we all just need to take a breath and say, okay, somehow, some way, by January 6th, we're going to know what happens. If we just let the process play out, at least you can say, we let it play out. You were heard. These are the results. People can't be mad at that, especially if you look at true conservatives who are going to say, we just want process. We want to feel like the process has worked. Let the process happen. And then maybe people won't be so pissed. That's all your girl is saying. That's my opinion on the whole thing. Let it play out instead of saying, and I see this a lot in the media, instead of saying, it's just over, it's just over. It's just pissing off the 70 plus million people that voted for Trump, which also isn't helpful because at the end of the day, he doesn't have to concede this moment. We still have an electoral process that's being carried out. Votes still aren't certified because there's recounts going on because there are very close races still happening. And at the end of the day, January 6th is the date that Congress declares the results of the election. We've got time to let this play out. So please, do not let what's going on in the court stress you out because there is still time. Be stressed about finding the best pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving. And if you don't like pumpkin pie, I don't know what to say to you. It is my favorite. <laughs> pumpkin pie is the greatest. Like we can't really debate pumpkin pie. It is so good. I understand the debate over candy corn because some people are like, ick, and some people are like, amazing. We're a candy corn family over at my house, but I understand that not everybody is, but pumpkin pie is just pumpkin pie is the best. Anyway, we should probably get into these lawsuits because I'm going to derail myself talking about pumpkin pie and being like, can we just skip over this whole election stuff and get, <laughs> get to pie and stuffing? 
<laughs> I'm ready. I'm just ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for winter. I'm ready to kind of hunker down. I'm ready for the holidays. I'm ready for it to feel festive, even though it's still COVID. It's probably not going to. I'm just, I'm ready to move on. Aren't we all ready to move on? I think we are. Let's talk about these lawsuits. I've said that like six times. There are still recounts going on. Some of these lawsuits have been resolved. Some of them still have court dates. One is in the Supreme Court already. And here's where we stand. There are suits in Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia. I'm going to break them down a bit by kind of theme and what's going on. But some of the big takeaway here are, first of all, not all of these lawsuits are filed by Trump, the Trump campaign, or the GOP. There is an independent group called True the Vote with a lawyer named James Bopp, like B-O-P-P, like it's a bop, but like his name's Bopp. I don't know. He has filed independent lawsuits in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Also, all of those suits have been dismissed or withdrawn. So there's that. But not all of these suits were filed by the Trump campaign. I don't see that reported very often. I'm like, why aren't we just talking about the fact that there's also voters filing these lawsuits? Because there are also voters filing these lawsuits. As always, the articles and the news reporting and the things I researched that I found tremendously helpful will be in the show notes or in the description on YouTube for you to go and look at yourself if you want to go see kind of the base or source material for the things that we are talking about today. Let's get into what's going on in Nevada. Their electoral votes, they've said, will be certified November 24th. They have indicated that there have been limited instances of multiple votes or voting irregularities, but nothing that would um, shift the outcome of the election. And I should say, we are not expecting an election without some multiple votes, duplicate votes, abnormalities, and some issues. We have the highest percentage of mail-in votes that we've ever had. There are going to be things. I think the media saying there's no things is really troubling. There are things. Even in the Democratic primary, there were anomalies in the voting. It's okay to say there are anomalies. We're addressing it. And it's still not going to change anything, looking especially when you look at the historical votes. So when you're looking at numbers that aren't swinging that much, taking Nevada for example, Hillary Clinton carried it by 2.5% of the vote. Joe Biden's carrying it by 2.39% of the vote. That's not a huge difference or a, a huge unprecedented swing. More people voted, but more people voted reflecting the way people have always voted or at least voted in 2016 in that state. So when you look at those numbers and go, okay, how has this area traditionally voted? How is this area voting now? Does anything seem wildly uncharacteristic? Yes or no? And then go from there. But there are going to be voting issues in an election during a pandemic. Denying that fact seems ridiculous. But also, it's okay to say, yes, these things will happen. And yes, we will find some of these things. But when we find them, we'll address it. And it's still not going to be enough to make up the difference. Everybody could just take a deep breath. The denial of the fact that there are some voting issues seems to be one of the things that's causing so much tension between those who support Trump, those who feel like the media isn't telling the whole story, and everybody else. So I think that the media is doing themselves a disservice in almost a 
exaggerated way to get him out of office. If Trump has lost this election, which the numbers look like he has, then we'll know for sure on January 6th and he will be out of the office. I have all faith that that will happen. But denying facts just undermines the credibility of the media, in my opinion. So there were lawsuits in Nevada. The Nevada Supreme Court denied the Trump campaign's appeal. So it's kind of dead in the water in that state. There, yes, they have had some voting anomalies, but also the state's voting is trending the same way it trended in 2016. And the state has indicated the anomalies that have been taken care of, like the votes that were duplicates of a mail-in or an in-person and things like that, have all been sorted. And it's not enough to overcome the vote deficit and change the result. Because in all of these lawsuits, just saying there's fraud in like 15 ballots isn't enough. You have to show that the things that you're bringing into court can change the outcome in the state. If it doesn't change the outcome, it's irrelevant. (laughs) So it might be like, yes, this is an issue, but it might not be enough of an issue to make it matter. Let's talk about Arizona. So in Arizona, the suits have also been dropped because it was determined that the margin of vote difference could not be overcome with the number of ballots that were being targeted. State officials in Arizona had identified 960 ballots that could be at issue. That's not enough to do it. So again, denying that there are problematic ballots for me seems ridiculous. It's like, yeah, there's some, there just aren't that many and it's not enough. Now, I think the Trump camp is hedging their bets on that. And I'll get to that after we talk state by state about what was said and not widely reported about what was said over the weekend that gives me an indication of the direction this is all going to go in. So Arizona also now seems to be a non-issue. This doesn't mean that more suits can't be filed. I just think it's unlikely at this point. So let's move on to Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, there are no Trump campaign suits pending at this time. Again, it doesn't mean there won't be any, but the suits filed by True the Vote have all been withdrawn as it relates to Wisconsin. So again, Wisconsin, also no longer at issue. In Michigan, there are multiple lawsuits pending. Only two of them are from the Trump campaign. The others are from independent voters. And again, I will link the articles that I found helpful in this. But in Michigan, one of the independent cases, Johnson versus Benson, there are two voters asking the court to block the state from certifying election results and declaring winners. They're requesting that a special master be appointed to investigate all claims of voter fraud in Wayne County, including which includes Detroit, before the votes are certified. That case is pending. In Bally versus Whitmer, it's also individuals, four voters who claimed illegal votes were cast in the general election. And Wayne, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, <laughs> Washtenaw and Ingham counties, which would require results in those counties to be invalidated. So they're asking that the results in those counties be invalidated. The voters asked the court to exclude the results of these three counties from the certification. But the four voters in that case voluntarily dismissed their case on Monday. Trump versus Benson is asking that certain ineligible ballots be set aside and that the court block the certifying of the results in Wayne County until 
those are evaluated. That is still pending. There's a second case in the Court of Claims, which may or may not be the appropriate place to have filed that. So it, you know, is is going to be problematic anyway. But the Trump campaign claimed that absentee voter counting was being conducted without inspectors. That case has already been denied. So in that case, they were asking that the ballot counting process be halted until appropriate watchers could be there. That case was denied. It also looked like that case might have been filed in the inappropriate venue or in the wrong court to even be heard on that. But there is still a Trump case um, in the district court asking to block the certification of results until ineligible ballots are resolved. Then, in Constantino versus Detroit, it is again two individual voters that are alleging that there are instances of fraud and misconduct in Wayne County, asking the court again to block certification of the results. That case has gone to court. The judge issued an order on Friday that the election challengers who claimed misconduct did not have a full understanding of the absentee ballot process, that their interpretation of events is incorrect and not credible, which means the individuals were saying things were done wrong because they were misinterpreting the law. So that case was resolved. However, those voters have asked the Court of Appeals to review the order on Monday. As I'm recording this, Monday, November 17th, the Michigan Court of Appeals judge denied the request for review for, quote, failure to persuade the court of the existence of manifest error requiring reversal and warranting preemptory relief without argument or formal submission. So it was basically a, you you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're arguing. Stop is, is, is essentially uh, what was being said is that you don't understand the absentee ballot process and the things that you're saying are wrong are not actually wrong. They're part of the process. That is what's going on in Michigan. We're not even going to get to Pennsylvania just yet. We're going to we're going to talk about Georgia next because Pennsylvania by far has the most kerfuffling going on in the election process. Georgia does still have recounts going on, but the state is leaning in Biden's favor. Even though there are recounts, the ballots that have been found and added to the count have also leaned heavily in Biden's favor. The Trump supporters who are frustrated with that are saying that these are ballots that were just found out of nowhere and all of a sudden most of them are for Biden and what have you. So there we are going to continue to hear about Georgia. There's no way we're not. So the Trump campaign in Georgia has alleged that the proper chain of custody for absentee ballots was not followed and then asked the court to order the ballots received after the state's election day deadline to be collected and separated. This is something that's going on in Pennsylvania as well. And then to stop the counting of the absentee ballots, the judge dismissed the lawsuit due to lack of evidence that the ballots were received after election day. There's another case in Georgia brought by an Atlanta attorney who is saying that the inclusion of absentee ballots in Georgia was improper and seeks them 
seeks an order from the court to prohibit them from being counted as part of the certified results in Georgia. The case has been assigned to a court. It hasn't been heard yet. There is another case brought by four voters that is again seeking to exclude election results from eight counties because they're arguing that the counties had illegally cast ballots that should be invalidated. But again, that case was voluntarily dismissed. It was one of the ones I talked about earlier from the group True the Vote. So they were filing on almost the same or similar grounds in each of these states about the irregularities, and all four of those were dismissed. So that kind of covers the Georgia suits. There will be ongoing recounting based on how close it is in Georgia. Even if Trump picks up Georgia, it's not going to swing the weight of the election. There just aren't enough electoral votes there. So now what's going What's going on in Pennsylvania? There's been lawsuits in Pennsylvania about this election since before Election Day due to some quirky rulings that Pennsylvania made. I didn't love Pennsylvania saying, hey, it doesn't matter if they're postmarked after Election Day. It's cool. Like that didn't sit well with me. But I also understand absentee ballots, military ballots, if they're postmarked by the right day, it doesn't matter if they come in on election day. We're cool, cool with that. It's the ones that are postmarked after the date that are problematic for me. That is one of the issues that has been brought up. There is a case arising out of Pennsylvania that is in pending hearing in the Supreme Court with regard to this election. So far, it is the only case in the Supreme Court and it is regarding 10,000 votes in Pennsylvania that arrived after election day to determine when they were postmarked and if they were properly um, if they can properly be counted or not be counted that is the case that is pending in the Supreme Court but there are others and these cases some have gone out some have had lawyers ask to be removed from the cases or to leave the case and just to cover that real quick, if you're an attorney that appears on a case and then you quit the case or you want to quit the case or you need to leave the case, you need the court's permission to do it. Even if your client fires you, you have to go to court and be like, they fired me, remove me from the case. Sometimes the courts are like, no, we're too deep in this shit. You don't get to go anywhere. Stay put. But in this case, lawyers have asked to be removed in some of these cases, which the media has made quite a lot out of. Though the reasons are not clear, it is unusual to see something like that happen. There was also an appellate court ruling in Pennsylvania on Friday that has changed a lot of the cases that are pending. So on Friday, an appellate court in Pennsylvania found that private parties don't have standing. We'll talk about standing in just a second. Don't have standing to bring a claim in federal court arguing that a particular election practice violated the elections clause of the U.S. Constitution. So they're saying a private citizen, you, me, can't go into a federal court and say, yo, this election practice in this state, this shit that you do violates the U.S. Constitution elections clause, right? Because Pennsylvania said ballots can be postmarked after the deadline, after the election day. And people went, that's not okay. And so there were a bunch of people saying, Pennsylvania, you're violating the U.S. Constitution. You can't do that. And Pennsylvania said, right, but you don't have standing. So uh, you can't come to federal court and argue that. So part of that ruling indicated that the state legislature has the power to run elections. 
and that the Pennsylvania Assembly, the legislature, could go into federal court and make the argument. So the legislature who decided the thing that may go against the Constitution are the only ones allowed to bring the lawsuit in the federal court about the thing that they did that might violate the Constitution. (laughs) But the court said very clearly, not individuals and not candidates. So it changed a lot of the lawsuits that were in the pipeline because of this appellate court ruling. And that's where you see the lawsuit that you're seeing talked about the most in the media, where a lot of stuff was taken out of the suit. It's because a lot of those arguments were either brought by an individual or a candidate arguing some of these points of the election practices. I promised I would talk about standing, so we have to talk about standing. Now, we talked a little bit about this when we talked about Judge Amy Coney Barrett, I believe, with the fact that cases have to be actual cases and controversies. So it it can't just be a question of like, hypothetically, if this and this and this, then what? There has to be an actual case and controversy. Standing goes to that. Is there an actual person who was harmed in some way? Can they seek the relief that they're seeking? Can this court give them the relief that they're seeking? And with regard to Pennsylvania, the appellate court on Friday said, nope, not in this context, not when it's about practices and election law practices of the state. And and I can't go, if I'm a Pennsylvanian, and say, hey, this, this isn't right. They're like, right, you don't get to bring that argument. You don't have standing to say we in Pennsylvania are violating the U.S. Constitution. So as I said, that ruling changed quite a lot of things. What it didn't change, according to the Trump campaign, is that there is still a lawsuit alleging that 682,000 plus absentee ballots in Philadelphia and Allegheny County were counted without proper observation. That suit is the suit that has been redlined quite a bit due to the appellate court ruling. However, The Trump campaign is saying that the parts of that suit about the 682 ballots is still in there. Some of the news media is reporting that it isn't. We're going to have to wait till that goes to court to see what the court says is and is not being alleged because the reporting on this has just been so wildly different. And that's also the case where some of the lawyers noped right out of the case. So There's a lot happening with regard to that particular lawsuit in Pennsylvania, but it is not the only lawsuit in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has quite a lot of lawsuits going. So Trump versus Brockvar, I'm probably pronouncing that improperly, but I do that. Bookvar, Bookvar, I'm trying. (laughs) That is the redlined complaint That is still the one that's arguing the over 680,000 votes were counted without observation. That is set for argument this week. So that is the one that we're going to be keeping our eye on the most. There is another Trump and RNC, the Republican National Convention, also versus Bookvar. That is the deadline dispute that was extended by the Secretary of State for the mail-in ballots. But the judge already blocked counties from counting those ballots. So those ballots have been separated and have not been counted yet while this is being litigated. So that has already put a a pause 
with regard to things that were potentially improperly received after the election, not that they were postmarked and then they were okay, but that they were not properly received by deadline, either because they were postmarked wrong, the identity wasn't verified, not signed, things like that. The Republican Party of Pennsylvania is asking for a revaluation of the Supreme Court ruling allowing, and that's the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruling, allowing election officials to receive and count ballots received up to three days after the election date if they were postmarked. And that is um, that is going through whether those ballots should be invalidated. Those ballots have been separated and kept separate. The Supreme Court has not taken it up, but that is that is the one that is is pending up to the Supreme Court. There is another dispute before the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania for registered voters and a congressional candidate filed also challenging that deadline extension by the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, which went down before the election. So because this was an issue, Pennsylvania has kept ballots separated, which will help this play out and sort out once the court decides what is going to happen. There is another Trump campaign lawsuit with about 600 mail-in ballots that are in Montgomery County. The Trump campaign is asking that those be um, excluded or thrown out and that they reverse a decision that is standing by the county elections officials. The judge in that case denied the request to review the board's decision and to throw out the ballots. So that is done. It doesn't seem that that has gone up on appeal or will even be appropriate to go up on appeal. There is another Trump campaign versus Bucks County. Similar argument. This is over 2,175 ballots with missing information and 76 ballots that are unsealed privacy envelopes or that the markings weren't right. That has not been heard yet. So that will be heard that there are these you know, 2000 plus some ballots that are not properly filled out and cannot be remedied or, or remediated at this point. There is a, another independent lawsuit, Prickle, P-I-R-K-L-E versus Wolf from voters in Pennsylvania trying to exclude the presidential election results from Philadelphia, Montgomery, Delaware, and Allegheny counties and block state officials from certifying the results. The voters who brought the case dismissed it on Monday. They were again part of that group that we have talked about, the true, the vote. And because the court on Friday determined that individuals can't bring that kind of a suit, that is just kind of null, void, and they voluntarily dismissed it. The last issue we're going to talk about in Philadelphia is the in-ray canvas of absentee and mail-in ballots of November 3rd, 2020 general election court of common pleas in Philadelphia County. The Trump campaign is seeking a review of a decision by the Philadelphia County board of electors to count five different categories of mail-in ballots. The Trump campaign wanted the court to invalidate 8,329 ballots because the voter failed to include certain handwritten information on the ballot return envelope. The Philadelphia Court of Common Pleas ruled against the Trump campaign, but the campaign appealed. 
to the Commonwealth Court. And now the Philadelphia Board of Elections is asking for the dispute to be transferred to the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. So we will hear. And that's not, that is one of the more common themes in a lot of these lawsuits is that the ballots weren't filled out properly and therefore should be invalidated. Pennsylvania is largely arguing, look, as long as the signatures are good, the rest of it is more of a suggestion. (laughs) And it's not super clear that that has to be done. It's more of a, hey, we need them to fill out the ballot, but as long as it's signed, we're cool with it. And the Trump campaign's like, well, we can't. Yeah, but we're not just cool with it. And Pennsylvania's like, uh, too bad. We're cool with it. So that's, I mean, if you want to summarize what's going on in Pennsylvania right now, it's kind of like, yeah, but we're fine. So leave us alone, please. That's that's the general feeling that I'm getting from the from what's going on in court in the state of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is, of course, one of the most contested. Um, some places have already called it for Biden. Some haven't. Pennsylvania has 20 electoral college votes. Is that enough to swing the election right now? No, that alone is not. But without Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter what happens in other states. And just for context, for President Trump, Pennsylvania plus Georgia still wouldn't be enough. There would need to be another state as well. So even if some of these challenges are won in Pennsylvania and in Georgia, it's still not enough electoral college votes to get to 270. So when we're looking at all of this breakdown, if all the other states' suits are quickly resolved, it will almost be irrelevant what happens in Pennsylvania and Georgia because it's not going to change the outcome because the electoral college votes still won't be there. So that's where we sit with these election lawsuits. But here's here's the signaling. This weekend, and I will link this video that I watched on Fox Business, one of Trump's team's attorneys, Sidney Powell, was talking about wide-scale voter fraud using the voting machine software and the voting machine software was manipulated. The things that were said in that interview, if you don't want to go watch it, it's not that long, but if you don't want to go watch it, she said that there was so much evidence of voter fraud, she felt like she was drinking from a fire hose, that the evidence was coming in so fast that she can't process it all that the Dominion software is designed so that votes can be manipulated and that it's almost drag and drop is what she kept saying, so that states using this software should be investigated because it's so easy to manipulate it, they should never have purchased it in the first place. She alleges that there's evidence of kickbacks with more than one government official for states who purchased this Dominion software. She talked about Dominion in all of these battleground states, Dominion software was used because then I had to look in 24 states in this election. She alleged that the machines can be told to not read signatures or to upload votes or to change votes or to change the percentage of votes. She alleged that there were wide-scale software glitches on election night in Michigan and Georgia. I've seen others in the conspiracy speculation realm saying, well, the reason they stopped counting ballots is so that they could go upload more votes into the voting machines. So that is a theory that is definitely rolling around on the internet. And this statement by one of the Trump attorneys is echoing some of those sentiments. 
She also stated that Democratic lawmakers have expressed great concern over this software in the past and that she has plenty of sworn witness testimony about this software being created for the purpose of election fraud. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this software gets attacked. She also said things like, I'm very frustrated the government hasn't done anything about it. I'm like, um, but, 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 but the president but but the pre- but the president <laughs> i feel like the whole i felt like this whole um interview on fox business was like watching something out of scandal where it's like oh well we just in this one county manipulated the voting machines and voila he's the president like it just felt like something out of a television show watching the way it broke down though what i know is that yes voting machines can be hacked does that mean that that happened? I don't know. I want to see what happened. If if this software is what she says it is, and we don't have evidence of that, we have a statement that there is evidence somewhere. We haven't seen the evidence. We have a statement that there is evidence. We have a statement of somebody saying, I wouldn't say it if I couldn't back it up, but we haven't seen any evidence yet. If this is the case, then Yes, there should be an investigation into this software, but this doesn't just affect the presidential election. This can affect gubernatorial elections, Senate elections, House elections, and we need to know. But if there's no evidence of it, we also need to know that too. Either way, whatever is going on with the voting software needs to be addressed. Numerous states have said we didn't use it because it's so problematic. Yes, voting machines did have issues and glitches on election night. Was that so they could upload votes? I haven't seen any evidence of that yet, other than people saying, isn't it weird? Look, when votes get counted on election night, they come in from county by county. Often, the pundits can say, well, this county normally goes this way and this county normally goes this way. I haven't seen huge anomalies in that, though some are alleging that there are. I haven't seen the numbers. If these voting machines are a huge issue, if this particular voting software is a huge issue, even if it's not going to change the outcome of this election, it's still an answer that we're going to need. Like at this point, so many shots have been fired with this. We're going to need to know. Like we're going to need to know about this software. And I think that this is an area where we shouldn't just let it go, where we shouldn't just say, this is all like, Trump conspiracy speculation and we should ignore it. I I think with this claim, with this particular claim, there is more that needs to be looked into. Again, even if it's not going to change the outcome of this election, this is one of the areas that should be answered. And I wish I was seeing the media, instead of saying like, whatever, whatever, Trump's whining, he lost, saying, look, these are some pretty serious allegations. I don't think this changes the outcome of this election. But what do we need to do to not talk about this again in four years? Like, can we all just agree that we don't want to talk about this again in four years? Like, I don't want to talk about Dominion software again in four years. I just don't. I want I want to know if it's that big of a problem, get other software. Like, can, can we just address it and move on? So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that with regard to these claims, because the way that I saw this attorney talking on Fox Business over the weekend, I think we're going to see another wave of suits or allegations coming with regard to the election ballot machine software. 
And what else do we call? Yes, the ballot machine software. <laughs> Voting machine software, probably the right term. I think we're going to see a lot more dust kicked up around this in the weeks to come as the other lawsuits are not fruitful. Do I think that will change the outcome of this election? Probably not. Do I think it's just a shot at undermining the election? I certainly hope not. If there are issues with this software to the point where numerous states were like, we can't roll with that because it's so insecure, we should all know that. Like, that's just, we should know that. And I hope that that, out of all of this, I hope that that gets addressed because we are going to see more and more contentious elections. If 2016 and 2020 have taught us anything, it's that we are, as a country, more closely half and half than we've ever really been. This is a pretty close election and with a very high number of votes and very close in some states, which means people aren't necessarily seeing eye to eye on some larger issues, either that or it's just a referendum on the fact that people don't really love either of these candidates. And we're just like, oh my God, I'm voting for this candidate because I cannot vote for the other candidate. And I also think that's where you saw Kanye West picking up votes in the states where he was on the ballot with people going, I can't with either of these two. I do not like the big party tickets for either of these candidates. So I'm not voting for them. And hopefully we will start to see a more robust third party system because I think people are desperately asking for another option. <laughs> I've started calling them the purple people, like the purple people who are like, I'm not red, I'm not blue, I'm purple. Where are my purple candidates that are like, hey, um, we'd really like to just let people live their lives and maybe not have egregious amounts of government regulation. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Can you just like do you don't be a dick and and try not to tax the ever loving shit out of me? Like there's a lot of people who would fall into the purple people. <laughs> a lot of people. But we've we our political parties have pushed very polarizing. People are stuck very in the middle and and at the end of the day, do I think this election will swing? No. But wilder things have happened in 2020. I also think when you look at the popular vote count, if any of these electoral seats did change, it would be so unsettling to American life. But at the end of the day, whenever we have a result, you know, by January 6th, hopefully, or on January 6th, we're still going to have over 70 million people in the country who voted for a candidate who didn't win. And, and, we're all going to have to figure that out. What I worry is that the way that some of our elected officials behaved after Trump won and they didn't want to accept it is what we're going to see given back. And we're going to just be in another cycle of not my president. I didn't vote for him. And I, I really, really hope that we're not. But I feel like now every four years we're in this cycle of half the people being like, yeah, fuck that guy. <sighs> And I hope we can get past that. But we still have our little happy corner of the internet here on the Get Legit Lawn Ship podcast over at watchemily.com on the YouTube channel and our growing community of lawnards at lawnardsunite.com. I am so encouraged by the conversations that we get to have that it makes me very hopeful because as we grow, we are bringing those conversations 
to everyone else. We are bringing back the facts, not the fuckery. Having actual conversations where we can disagree and still like one another because when you talk about facts, you can talk about, hey, this is the thing. Oh, well, I wish, I I think I see it this way or I see it that way. Great. We can talk about our differences of opinion without screaming and name calling. And it's what I love so much about this community, about this platform, and about what we are all creating together. I appreciate you for being here. I appreciate you for wanting to know more. And I appreciate you for going through these different political topics without it ever getting ugly. I don't see that in the comments. I don't see that in the reviews. I don't see that in the things that I'm getting DM'd. I always try to bring compassion and well, facts (laughs) to this little corner of the internet. And I appreciate you so much for joining me on that. If you listened to the episode and enjoyed it, go ahead and tag me on social, on Instagram at the Emily D. Baker. Twitter's the same. YouTube's the same. I love seeing where you're watching. It makes this one-way conversation feel much more two-sided when I see you listening to the episode, wherever this finds you. And because we're still in the middle of a global pandemic, we still have to do a pandemic sign-off, which sometimes I forget to do, but I really try my best to not forget. (laughs) So friend, say it with me. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well. And may the odds be ever in your favor. I'll talk to you in the next one. Thanks for sticking around for today's episode. For episodes like this and conversations like this, come join us in the Facebook community. The Get Legit community is where we discuss the episodes, where I answer your questions, and we have an opportunity to take a deeper dive in a respectful, conversational environment. The Get Legit community is on Facebook. There's a link down below, or you can go to getlegitlive.com. I'll see you on the inside.